The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Mahai, good morning, and welcome back to Sharing Our Stories. My name is Slim, along with my co-host from Tribe Recovery Homes, Tomas Hernandez, and thank you for joining us this morning for another edition of Sharing Our Stories. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, what Sharing Our Stories is, is a program about addiction and recovery. Those of us in this room have dealt with addiction and are currently in our recovery, and we believe that with this program and Sharing Our Stories, We can help people out there in the mile high who might be suffering through addiction, or maybe you have a friend, a family member, a loved one who you see going through addiction, um, and you want to know how to help them or a pathway that can help them find their recovery. And uh, we believe that this program can help find that recovery and at least plant a seed to help you uh, in a journey towards recovery. There's no one way to recover. Um, There's a lot of different pathways to recovery and we don't believe there's just one ultimate way to do it. Um, So through sharing the dozens upon dozens of stories, we hope that possibly you can learn and find a way towards your recovery if you're suffering an addiction or you know a friend, a family member, a loved one who is. So thank you for checking in with us this morning. Thanks for turning us up. Thank you for listening. For the next hour, we're going to have a wonderful guest from here in Denver share their story of addiction and recovery. But before we get to her and turn this program over to her this morning, I want to introduce, of course, my co-host, Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes and uh, have him tell you a little bit about what Tribe does. Hey, everybody. Um, good morning. Hope everybody's well. I know it's really early. If you're on going to work, uh, God bless you. Get that dollar. Um, so I'm Tomas Hernandez. I'm the founder and executive director of Tribe Recovery Homes. Um, we are a grassroots organization that focuses uh, mainly on the judicial system, recovery, and mental health. What it means is our motto is you get a ticket, you do too much dope, Drink too much, you end up with some type of case. You come to us. We help you work that out on a pre and a post. So what that means is pre is uh, you just got your ticket or post. You just getting out of jail. So that means city, state, federal. Come on down. We're gonna help you out because usually we get that case of efforts, and we're like, why am I gonna do this if uh, I'm going to jail anyway? I might as well get just sober in jail because we're gonna show you the recipe on why you should get ahead of it, and also at the same time. You possibly might not have to go if you can change your life in recovery because contrary to popular belief out there, there are judges that are out there and DAs that do have a heart to see a person make a change. So that is our program. That's what we do. We're in the metro Denver area, spanned out to Boulder. Um, We uh, have residential uh, treatment all the way down to IOP, to outpatient navigators, which means is recovery coaches. We're going to help you with your uh, systemize the things that are happening. You might see us inside uh, city jail and pretrial. 
we give out materials and backpacks to everybody and make sure that we can get them connected to community partners. So what that means is we know Tribe ain't the fit for everybody, just like how we got Suli over here with Hard Beauty. Shout out to my friend Raquel out there, probably on the internet, like she always is. She probably sleeps like an hour and gets back on the internet. So <laughs> she's probably <laughs> cursing my name right now with her little her little candles. We won't even go into that right now, but... Um, we're going to have her on the show very soon. Uh, much love to Hard Beauty because they do a lot of the same work, but but a, a great spice to it. And that's just a, a uh, an example of many of the beautiful community uh, partners are out there. Um, today's a real special, special guest. Um, so he's been like my my little sister for what, years. What's this nickname you keep saying? Yeah, we keep, well, so we... we Priscilla. Priscilla, but I mean, what's the nickname yeah. you just said? Silly. Silly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Silly. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to follow along. I want to yeah, make sure everybody's yeah, yeah. on the... I'm just as confused as everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so check it out. So with that being said, um, great musician out there named Michael Hornbuckle. Um, her mother was a huge, huge advocate of, of me and Michael and, and of mine. Um, I must have talked to her on social media in every, every show, every time that I've seen her. She's a beautiful lady and... She always wanted the best for her daughters and everything, and that's where I met Celie. And uh, I wasn't the fit, but I started planting the seed, more like planting my, my foot in her butt every time that I seen her. But that's just like how she, you're going to hear in her story, how she got here. You know, big shout out to Hard Beauty again is where she found her home and she found her life again. Um, but I do want to give rest in peace to her mother. Cynthia Wells was, was a beautiful person. Um, she was in the heart of Denver, heart of a, a lot of us um always had that great smile and always was loving and, and caring and even in the even in the worst of times in the worst parts of of the streets that we were in she was still that shining light so i'm really really excited to to have Sue on on this show and she's more than sober and, and has a program of recovery and helps everybody and just um, a walking miracle i love it I love it. Well, I, I was going to introduce you as Priscilla Wells from Denver, um, but I guess it's silly, 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 silly or Scylla, either Scylla, one. Scylla. Okay, I got Scylla. Scylla, Scylla, Scylla. I'm, not, I'm butchering that one. <laughs> Scylla, Priscilla Wells from Denver is our guest this morning for sharing our stories. We're going to be turning it over to her and she is going to share her story of addiction and recovery and tell us about hard beauty which mm-hmm. is an organization here in the Mile High. So, uh, with, let's waste no more time here. And uh, our guest this morning for share our, sharing our stories is Priscilla Wells, Scylla, from Denver. Priscilla, thanks for being here this morning. No problem. My pleasure. I really take a lot of pride in being able to share my story because by all means, I should not be here. Um, I've overdosed many times. Um had multiple suicide attempts so it's it's really a miracle that I'm able to still continue to share my story and I do that for the ones who can no longer share their story um and I live my recovery in honor of my mother she had um 12 beautiful years in recovery before she unfortunately relapsed and overdosed in 2020 um and so I hold on to that and that keeps me sober and it got me sober Um, But we'll go back to the beginning on how I started so you can really get the picture of why I live the way I live today and how I found hard beauty. Um, So as I mentioned, my mother growing up was an addict 
and I come from a very long line of addicts. My grandparents were addicts. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, <clears throat> so really unstable childhood. My mom did her best to put us first and do everything that she could to be a good mom to us. But, you know, with addiction comes chaos. And so, you know, I had to survive that as a child. My older sister, God bless her soul, she had her own trauma. And unfortunately, that bled out onto me as a child, um, which caused a lot of issues for me growing up. I started smoking weed early on at about 12 um, and it just really escalated from there. I started partying, seeing different guys. Um, I ended up actually getting pregnant by one of my mom's drug dealers at 16. And I knew when I got pregnant with my daughter that I wanted to give her something different. And at that point, you know, I was messing around and experimenting, but I didn't really have the hold of addiction on me quite yet. Um, and I wanted to do something different for her. So I tried to go to school and try to be a good mom and, you know, not being stable as a person with bipolar disorder that didn't last very long. And so um, I got into my own cycle of partying, meeting different dudes, um, getting myself in dangerous situations of being around not safe people um, and that just continued to snowball over the years. Um, I have five children today, and so I ended up getting into a violent relationship of some sort and having a child about every three years after my daughter was born. And with each one of those relationships, it got each partner got more dangerous, more abusive, more controlling. Um, and to cope with that, I used drugs, and I also used drugs to self-medicate. My drug of choice was opiates. I loved the way it made me feel. It made me feel normal. It made me feel like I can conquer the world and deal with everything that was in my life. And so I held on to that, and I used the, you know, every single day that I could, every chance that I could, and, you know... I was in denial for a long time, like, oh, I'm not repeating what was done to me. Oh, I am a good mother. I am keeping my kids safe. In all reality, my kids were growing up in the same chaotic environment that I was. Um, and I ended up getting an open case in 2017. And, you know, like Tomas was saying, we would run into each other because my mom supported the Hornbuckles so much. And we would go to their events. And of course, I would I would go and they would plant those seeds in my head of, you know, hey, when you're done doing this dumb shit, when you're done doing this, you know where to go. And they tried so hard to plant those seeds for me. And I think that really helped me later on once I was ready, um, because those were the first people that I ran to when I was ready. Um, so it's very much important for us to plant those seeds, no matter where that person is at in their addiction, because you know, as long as there's breathing, there's hope that they can recover. And if you can plant that seed, that seed will eventually grow. Um, anywho, yeah, they they tried helping to get me sober. And I really tried. Um, I had gotten on mat treatment. I was able to abstain from opiates. And my case closed. Um, in that case, I lost custody of my three children. Um, I worked very, very diligently to get them home and try to find a life in recovery. Um, but I couldn't... I didn't feel like I fit in. You know, there was no meetings that I fit into. I didn't have any community connections. I was really doing it on my own and kind of white knuckle in it and just hoping for the best and not really doing 
the work that everyone talks about that you have to do in recovery. I was just kind of staying abstinent and hanging on for dear life, which really wasn't effective for me. That may be effective for some people, but for me, that didn't work. And a couple months after my case closed, I relapsed. Um, And in that time of relapsing, I got pregnant with my last child, Anna. Um, And I tried to stay sober for that pregnancy. I didn't want to use. And this is kind of where it really sunk into my brain that I had a problem that I could not control when you're sitting there pregnant crying praying to God like I don't want to take this next pill I don't want to use this next substance but you don't have a choice and you do it anyway that's addiction and that's the power that it has over you by any means I would have gave anything not to use while I was pregnant I just couldn't control myself even on mat treatment at the time I was on a Suboxone, which um, definitely has been my path to recovery, but it took me a long time to be able to use it properly. Um, but anyway, I was, you know, it was finally sinking into my brain that I had a, a real problem. And again, those seeds are getting planted from Tomas and Michael and my mom. And, you know, they're trying to tell me about this beautiful life that I can have in recovery. And it was like over the course of my addiction, that disease tricked me into thinking that recovery was something that I would never have, that I just couldn't achieve that recovery. And so I kept going. I had my daughter. I kept using pills. Um, By the grace of God, I met a healthy man. um, And I knew he was healthy because the first time that we had a real intimate talk to try to see if we were going to see each other, he was like, these are my boundaries point blank I'm not going back on those my son comes first what are your boundaries and I had never been asked that before Um, on top of that he was a stable single father um, didn't have any addiction issues he was a normie as we say by all means Um, really good man and I felt like I didn't deserve him but in my addiction mindset I was like I need this man in my life like I absolutely need him he's what I've been looking for So I got with him and tried to have a healthy relationship, but I couldn't achieve that because, again, I was mentally unstable due to having bipolar, um, still very much in active addiction and using. And, you know, he was one of my biggest cheerleaders to try to help me get sober besides my mom. And I just remember continuing to use and beating myself up because I didn't know what else to do and I was just stuck in this position in this cycle of using to self-medicate and cope and I just didn't know what else to do and so it snowballed and it kept getting worse and you know eventually I self-sabotaged that relationship and I left him early 2020 and from that point things went downhill extremely quickly Um, I started messing around with dudes again. Uh, One dude crashed my car, the only car that I had. I was staying with my mom, you know, having her watch the kids so I can go out and use and just kind of running away from my life and running away from what I did and trying not to face the consequences of my actions of leaving a good relationship, leaving my home, making my kids stay with my mother, my life completely falling apart and getting even more out of control. 
Um, and I was just trying to run from that. And I ran from that as long as I could. And really the whole year of 2020 was just me going off the deep end and just completely giving up. Up until 2020, I really did try to hang on and try to get better and try to, you know, reach recovery. But once I hit 2020, I didn't give a I just accepted my life in addiction. And I was like, this is just going to be my life. I'm going to die an addict. This is just the way I am. This addiction is a part of who I am. And I accepted that fully. And that made my usage go through the roof. And, you know, using opiates, I would usually stick to, you know, prescription Oxycontins that I would get from people. Um, But after 2020, I stopped caring. And, you know, I always said I would never do fentanyl. I knew that if I did fentanyl that I wouldn't come back from that. I just something in my soul told me that. And after 2020, I didn't give a shit. So I started doing fentanyl and I didn't look back. And that took me to a whole nother level of addiction. And it was just one of the darkest places I have ever been. And, you know, I ended up losing my son. I lost custody of my son because he ended up with his abusive father father that he was court ordered not to be with. Um, And then my daughter's dad, who was also using fentanyl, kidnapped her from me. And so I really gave up once that happened. And just stopped caring. I didn't care whether I overdosed or not. I didn't care what was happening. I just wanted to use and not feel the pain that I was feeling in losing my children and letting my family down and starting to use fentanyl. And I just, again, I thought that I was too far gone. And so I played into that. And I ended up in a really abusive situation again with a very predatory man um, and he put me in a situation where I was being trafficked for the last six months of my addiction Um, so I went through that and of course that added more to use Um, and about September I believe of 2020 I got a phone call that my daughter had overdosed in her father's care and I didn't know whether she was alive. I didn't know if she's dead. I didn't know what was going on. They wouldn't tell me where she was. Um, And two days later, I ended up overdosing myself. And that's why I say it's such a miracle that I'm here, because by all means, with those events, I should not be here. But thank God someone Narcaned me. And I ended up of course, finding out that, you know, they were able to resuscitate my daughter. They gave her Narcan and luckily she's been home for two years. She's thriving, she's healing. Um, But, you know, having to survive that and not know where she was, that was probably one of the darkest moments of my life. And it's something that I never thought that I could come back from. Um, And, you know, things just progressively got worse. I didn't think they can get worse given that situation that I was in, but they did. And, you know, the man that I was with got more abusive. Uh, It got more dangerous to be in the environment that I was in. Um, And eventually come Thanksgiving of 2020, I was put in a life-threatening situation with this man. And, you know, basically he threatened my life. And somehow, by a miracle of God, I got out of that house. 
and I called my sister. Well, initially I called my mom and she called my sister, but my sister had a choice to either pick me up or leave me hanging. And she was very angry with me. This is my baby sister. You know, I'm supposed to be her role model and I'm showing her all the things she shouldn't do. And I left her on her own and I wasn't being supportive of her and not being the sister she needed. So she was very much hurt by my addiction and my actions. And by any means, she did not want to answer that phone call. She did not want to go pick me up, but she did. By the grace of God, something in her, she came and picked me up and that saved my life. Um, and so she, she came and picked me up. And of course I could tell she was pissed about picking me up, but I thanked her graciously and I get back to my mom's house and I don't know why, but this talk hit differently. Um, for some reason, it just really hit the core of who I was and my being and the situation. Um, it just really got through to me and I'm not still to this day. I'm not quite sure why I do believe it's kind of a God thing. Um, of course, God's a really big part of my recovery. Um, but she's like, you know, Miha, you got to do something or you're going to die. These babies need you. They miss you. They need you here. And she had been telling me this, this stuff for months. You know, it's nothing new. But just for some reason, this time it hit differently. I don't know if maybe it was the situation I had just been in with almost losing my life multiple times or what. But it, it just, it really woke me up. And I'm like, man... I can feel death on me. And I'm sure a lot of other addicts know what I'm talking about. Like you just feel like the walls are closing on on you. You can feel your time running out. It's such a bizarre feeling, but it is definitely very real. And I think that feeling plus the situations that I had been through in the recent months really kind of helped me feel to make that change of I have no other choice but to try recovery. Or, you know, this is it. This is my last shot. I, I knew with my whole heart and soul, this was my last shot. Um, and so I told my mom, okay, I, I'll do it. Whatever I need to do, like I have to get off this stuff or I'm not going to make it. And she started making phone calls. She called Thomas. She called uh, Michael. And unfortunately, because, you know, it was Thanksgiving night, a lot of places are closed or just didn't have an open bed. And I ended up going to... Lutheran ER and detoxing well for the next 18 hours um, they gave me you know medications to try to help that detox which did not help me at all um, I was in a full-blown psychosis like I was yelling at people that wasn't there uncontrollably shaking almost like I was having a seizure um, and unfortunately they couldn't keep me any longer you know Medicaid only paid for a certain amount of time and it, they had no reason to keep me really so they had my family come get me and said hey she needs to go to a treatment center immediately if she goes out and uses she's gonna die and of course you know I wanted to use I wanted to do anything to stop feeling those withdrawals fentanyl withdrawals are the worst withdrawals I have ever been through in my entire life it's absolutely brutal and I would not I don't think I would survive going through that detox again which is a, a very strong reason of why I stay sober today because I just don't think I could make it through that again um they're absolutely brutal um and long story short you know we we couldn't find anywhere for me to get into I was not in a, a right frame of mind or coherent enough to advocate for my own care and find 
a good place for me to go. And my mom, she didn't know what she was doing either. She was just trying to find me help. Um, So I proceeded to detox in her home with her, my sister, and my older two kids. And it was very, it felt humiliating at the time to detox in front of my children and my mother. But I knew that I was doing the right thing. I knew that they, we were all learning something from me doing this. And she held my hand for the next week. She helped me take a bath because I couldn't even take a bath on my own. You know, I could barely use the bathroom on my own. And she literally held my hand and nursed me for that entire week until I could get up and start doing things on my own again. And she coached me through that. You know, there was times within that week span where I just wanted to say, screw it. I want to go get high, like anything to stop this feeling, stop this pain in my nerves and my brain. And, you know, she every time that I would try to say that I wanted to go do something or I wanted to use, she would sit there and coach me. No, you don't want to do that. You're going to, you know, throw away all this time you already got, like keep going. She would just do her best to encourage me to just hang on. And, you know, I decided to hang on somehow. And um, I I ended up, uh, you know, getting back with the healthy relationship that I mentioned before. Um, it was about two weeks into my detox. We started talking again. And, you know, he we both agreed that we would try it one more time and granted he was a little apprehensive but you know I'm glad he he took that second chance and I ended up going home and I you know started my journey from there and that's where I started just slowly living one hour at a time I couldn't even take it 24 hours at a time at that point it was literally one hour at a time and two weeks after I came home my mom relapse and she overdosed and I got that phone call from my baby sister who found her and yeah it's one of the darkest moments in my recovery um she by all means was strong in her recovery I really don't know what led to her lapse or why she decided to use especially after holding my hand through my own detox and my opening the door as I say to my recovery but she did, and that was it. That was her last time. She didn't get a second chance to wake up, but I did. And when I went there, it was like an out-of-body experience. It was like I was dreaming, and I remember them bringing her out of the house in that awful black bag, and I knew with everything in me that if I were to ever touch a substance again, that that would be me, and my kids would feel all the pain that I was feeling in that moment. And that's just something that I could not live with. And so I held on to that. And that that still keeps me sober today is living my recovery for my mother and my kids. And that reason, anytime I feel weak in my recovery, I remember that day and I remember how I felt. And it really keeps me humble and it keeps me doing the work that I need to do to stay in recovery. Um. And so that, you know, that's the foundation of my recovery. Um, At 90 days, I was still very unmedicated for my bipolar, um, still very mentally unstable and miserable. I was grieving. Um, 
I was working on getting my youngest two children back in my custody and I was just depressed beyond belief. And I knew that if I didn't do something different for my recovery, if I didn't get myself to feel better, that I wouldn't make it in recovery, that I was going to lapse. I knew it was going to happen. So I decided to reach out to uh, the Hornbuckle Foundation and ask for a coach. And they gave me one of the most beautiful humans to work with. Um, Her name is Lexi, and she is just such a beautiful human, and she coached me through the first year and a half of my recovery. Um, She was really, truly someone that I connected with and really helped me figure out what work I needed to do to have the recovery that I have now. Um, And she also introduced me into Hard Beauty, which is where, you know, I found a whole home and a community of people who love me. Um, So I I was working with her. Um, She helped me accept the fact that I needed to go into a mental institution and get on the proper medication to become mentally stable. So, you know, I put my big girl panties on and I went in there for five days and it sucked. It was horrible. But, you know, I did it. I finally got on medication and I've been mentally stable since. So I'm really glad that I decided to do that, even though that was a really difficult thing for me to do. You know, I had to leave my oldest two children, the comfort of my home, everything that I knew and go into this facility and trust them to help make me mentally stable, um, which I kind of believe they wouldn't be able to do. But voila, what do you know? It worked. Um, And so with the combination of that medication and working with my coach and finding hard beauty, I was able to build a solid foundation for my recovery. Um, I started going to hard beauty meetings, which is our Tuesday night gladiators women meeting. Um, It's at 630 on Tuesdays, you know, if you guys want to join in there. Um, And, you know, that group really helped me out. You know, I was connecting with women And, you know, we saw eye to eye, you know, they could feel my pain. And, you know, the days that I was working my ass off to get my kids home and just missing them and being miserable, you know, they would help carry me in that pain. You know, they would surround me with love. They would encourage me to keep going and just connect with me on a human level. And it was really the missing piece that I needed, you know, since I found this community and found these women to recover with, it's really made all the difference in my recovery. Um, You know, Matt is a big part of my story, too. I finally started taking that the way I should in 2020 after that detox. That's really helped me out. But there's so many components to my recovery, my mental health medication, my MAP medication, and now this community that supports me. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces that it might take for one to recover. And again, like we said before, there's no one way to recover. You know, there's so many different pathways and my pathways definitely had a lot of pieces that need to be put together in order for me to have a happy, peaceful life and recovery. And it took me a long time to get there. And of course, it's not all sunshines and and rainbows now. You know, I'm still grieving my mom. I'm still grieving the stuff that, you know, happened to my kids. I'm still healing that with them. So it's not always, you know, everything's great over here. But you know what? My Worst day in recovery is way better than my best day high. And I can tell that with honest to God truth and wholeheartedly, like I would never go back. And I'm terrified to go back. You know, I'll get dreams of using and it just scares the living daylights out of me. So, 
you know, I use that fear to keep me sober, especially on those weekdays where I get those thoughts coming into my head of, you know, hey, one isn't going to kill you. Oh, you can do one. That's okay. Or here, have a drink. That wasn't even your thing. Nope, I can't do that. And it really keeps me on track. Um, But, you know, hard beauty, I've been really blessed by that community. Um, Lexi, my coach, she, she, as she was coaching me, she was like, you know what, you'd make a really good coach. And I'm like, okay, I, are you sure? You realize who you're talking to, right? And, you know, granted, I didn't really believe that I would be a good coach, but at the same time, I felt that it was definitely something worth trying and doing. Um, So the Hornbuckle Foundation helped me get my coaching certificate and Hard Beauty after watching me recover through their program for the first year and a half of my recovery, they decided to take me on as a coach. And it's been history since. Um, I Today, I get to do some really cool things. I get to take my pain and turn it into purpose and help other women because I primarily work with women. Granted, I don't mind working with a dude, but chicks primarily want to work with me, not dudes, you know. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I get to help these women. I get to help these mothers in ways that I never dreamt of. I get to connect with human beings who are suffering and let them know that there's hope. I get to give them pieces of hope or at the very least plant those same seeds that Tomas had tried to plant in me. And I'm just really grateful for that. If I had to go back to, you know, caregiving or the, you know, jobs that I was doing before, I don't think I I would be happy. And I don't think I would make it very far, you know, and today I get to do things that have purpose and that actually serve other people. And I just have found that so healing in my own recovery. And it really keeps me on my toes to stay sober. Like I really have to make sure that I'm doing my work every single day before I can go and support another person and try to suggest to them what they need to do Um, or try to help them find the tools that they need for their own recovery. Like I really have to be able to use my own tools and make that work before I can even help somebody else work on theirs. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And it really keeps me in line. And it also helps me feed my children at the same time. So it's really killing two birds with one stone there. Plus, I'm just learning so much. I think, you know, while I was going through addiction, I didn't know what was happening to my brain. I didn't know that, you know, my brain was different. I didn't know that, you know, the stronghold that addiction had on me. I didn't know what was happening chemically in my brain or my body. I I didn't even know what it all meant. All I knew was that everybody was telling me that I was doing something that was bad for me and it was killing me and I needed to get in recovery. But what the hell was recovery, you know? And so today I can really, you know, share my story and, and join groups and talk to people and let them know you know, you can discover a whole life that you never could have imagined just by being in recovery, just by showing up and doing your work. Um, and I kind of want to touch base on the work thing. You know, the work for me looks like what really worked for me was having a solid routine. I really needed a solid routine every day. I journal. Um, these meetings are still a very big part of my recovery, something I still do on a weekly basis. Um, And that's the type of work that I do to keep myself in recovery and keep fueling the fire to my recovery, basically. 
Um, and that's going to look different for everybody. And I really enjoy working with women and figuring out what works for them. And of course, you know, I, I have met with people that quite aren't ready yet, but I've at least been able to meet them where they're at and give them the support that they needed in the moment. So even if they're not ready re- for recovery, that person is still worthy of being heard and supported. And I get to be a part of that. And I just never dreamed that I would be able to do these things when I got clean. When I got sober, I just wanted the pain to stop. I just wanted to be the mom my kids needed. I wanted to stop hurting my mom and my sister. That's all I cared about. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about any of this stuff. And now I get to wake up every day and be creative in my work and get supported by some of the best humans on the planet. I I get to create cool programs that help out and serve the community. I get to coach women. I get to speak with women at treatment facilities. I get to do things like this and share my story with people. And it's really just out of this world. And it's something that I never thought that I would be able to do. But recovery has given me that gift of being able to show up and do beautiful things. And again, that's just another thing that helps fuel my recovery and and keep me here and keep me doing the right thing. Um, So yeah, and a tangent, that's my story. (laughs) Oh, Priscilla, thank you so much for sharing with us today um, and spreading so much hope. Like that's, you know, if there's one thing I really got from everything you said was that you you're a hope spreader. I try. I'm a hope dealer now. <laughs> yes. I used to deal drugs. Now I deal hope. So yes. what do you know? Yes, you do. And, and that is awesome. And, um, rest in peace to your mother. Thank uh, you. I'm somebody who also lives in my recovery from my mom. So mm. I, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Um, and that was something very powerful to me. Um, Another thing that you uh, mentioned was hard beauty. And mm-hmm. I want you to tell us a little bit more about hard beauty. You said they have a gladiators meeting. Mm-hmm. What, what was that called again? Gladiators Women Recovery Gathering is the name that you'll find on our website. But um, we have a platform online called Discover Your Recovery. And we have a variety of recovery meetings on there from men's meetings to women's meetings to parenting group. I do a mat support group on Wednesdays. Um, There's just a variety of meetings on there. I swear there's something for everybody, I promise. Um, But I really enjoy the Gladiator Women's Meeting. It's basically women coming together and just recovering together. You know, we go through celebrations and support. And that's really where I found the connection that I needed. You know, they supported me while my kids weren't home, while I was fighting a CPS case, a whole separate civil custody case, grieving my mom, um, trying to figure out what my recovery even was or what that even meant. And they they supported me through all of that. And then, you know, when things started to turn around and I was on an upward spiral now, um, they celebrated me and all of that. You know, I'll never forget the gladiator meeting that I got to celebrate that I got my baby girl home and my son home. And it was just, it was a better high than any drug could have ever given me. And if I would have known life could be this way, I would have got clean years ago, but of course, you know, I really wasn't hearing all that when Thomas was trying to preach that to me, you know, it was going in in one ear and out the other, but now I understand what he was saying, 
now I get it. And it, it's just, I, I really hope that we can plant those seeds in other people because it, it is absolutely beautiful on what happens when you finally just surrender and try to recover. So basically what I love about hearing your story in person, you know, it's uh, we, we, we cross paths. Mm-hmm. now and we used to see each other all the time and now being able to have the honor to have you on the on the radio today um it's a testament to how people that are interested in getting this field should do it you had patience um you said a key thing about learning who you were and learning how to be in recovery to be a good coach you know that's uh i think every person that needs to be a coach before they need to be coachable before they become a coach. You know, it's just not add water and become a coach. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like the third string running back becomes the MVP of the NFL the next week and then becomes, you know, a Super Bowl head coach. You know, and that's and that's uh you have your Super Bowl ring now because you you had patience. And, you know, being there when you weren't there for yourself was just part of the journey because I have that in my own recovery myself. You know, it's it's funny the things that we learn in recovery. Um, I remember my dad was like, "Man, why are you learning from this man?" My mom said the same thing. It's all the stuff that I taught you. I go, "Yeah, I just needed a, another messenger at the time." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's, it had to come from the right person, and you know. And another thing is, is I'm like your big brother, and Michael's like your big brother. You know, you it's it's better to get that that uh, that message from another woman. Because we don't, we didn't know where to go through those pains on a lot of stuff that you meant, mentioned on your story. You know, um, I was a good coach for my niche of, of guys. You know, um, and then I was surprised on, on some of the niche of guys that I was a really good coach in. But really, at the same time, you know, men helping men and women helping women is is, is a traditional but very good way to get. The message down the road because it's it's a like-minded situation and i'm just so proud of you that you you've learned those key points also at the same time talking about matt services and matt services is real it saved your life mm-hmm. you know uh, i couldn't imagine um yeah when 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 you talked about mom coming out the out the house in the, in the black bag uh, i couldn't imagine how everybody felt um i heard i was out of town and and uh I cried for a little while, you know, by myself in Florida when I when I when I heard and mm-hmm. and uh, she was just so wonderful. I mean, she was, yeah, yeah. I, I could probably use three radio shows and talk about your mom. <laughs> you know, she was just that great. You know, I remember she used to grab my the sides of my face and and be so happy to see me. How are you doing? How are you, how are you feeling? How's your health? You good? And things, you know, and just. How's Michael doing? How's everything like that? Because at the time before Michael got his legs under him, I was like his, he was like always in, in like some kind of backpack on the back of me, you know what I mean? walking around with his guitar. But you know, the, it just bringing back to those days was great. I don't want to pirate too much because I know that, uh, that Slim's got a few things to say, but I'm just really, really proud of you. I'm really, really happy that you found the women that have that recovery. And one last thing about Hard Beauty is that group of women have a spirituality about them you know it might get confusing when you see hard beauty but when you meet Raquel you understand um, and and the women there because really when you walk in it's probably the most welcoming on hard on abrasive thing that you're ever going to experience because those women stick to it with each other like glue and, and spirituality you can feel it as soon as you walk through the door 
you know, and a lot of people don't understand that uh, a spiritual path, and we're not saying religion, we're not saying God, we're not saying anything, I'm talking about a spiritual path. A spiritual pathway is key to recovery. You have to feel it. Like, if you have no spirituality, no passion, no intent behind it, you ain't going to get it, you know, because that's what dope does. It's, it's supposed to replace what's missing, right? And you got to replace it with something. So that's that spirituality. And that's a, a, a really huge thing that me and Raquel talk about on a daily basis when we get to talk to each other, not on a daily, but when we get in front of each other is what Hard Beauty has, has tokened like better than a lot of different organizations out there. These women can go over there and really find themselves spiritually and supported and and find that beauty and recovery and have a million different options to do things from parenting to everything like that. And I'm not just saying women, there's there's males that are that are that are coaches there too. Um and they they do their thing too, but what I've noticed the biggest of my friends that I've brought over there is 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 the women in recovery there is is, is amazing, you know, and you're a miracle. Now, you know, you're, when I saw you walk in, the door was like, no way. You know, after I heard about your mom, I was, I was sure that you were lost. Mm-hmm. I was sure in my heart that, that that was the only one that could connect and pull you out of the fire was your mom. No doubt if I had been using when my mom passed, I would not be here. There is no way. There is no absolute way I truly believe that. And... You know, like I said, she opened the door to my recovery. And without that, I wouldn't be here. And that was probably one of the hardest things to stay sober through. And if I could stay sober through that, I could stay sober through anything, anything. So I, I'm. it really hurts that that happened. I would give anything to have her back, even just for a day. But I believe that it had to happen so that me, so I could live, so I could have this recovery. I don't think that... You know, I would have the recovery that I have hadn't that happened. You know, who knows if I would have even found hard beauty had she still been here. I mean, I really wish she could have been here through all this and see me now. But, you know, I really believe things had to happen the way that they did in order for us to have the life that we have now. You know, that's that's a key thing that you said this morning is this. People don't understand that they try to skip the struggle. And part of the struggle is like, you know, all the way from mental health to recovery, even to death, even suicide. People got to understand that a comeback trail or a tragedy can help you, even if you don't know the person. Just hearing the story and hearing how it happened and, 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 and that wake up, that spiritual path to that. Um, everybody on the air, please understand that, you know, the pains that you have are real. It doesn't matter what, what type of pain is on that paintbrush. But you got to get with somebody that's going to help you paint that on that canvas so you can make sense of it. No matter how dark it is, no matter how light it is. And, you know, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a hard truth that uh, that word recovery. Some people don't even like the word recovery. Some people can't stand it. But, you know, uh, for me, I'm a, I'm a proud recovering addict. I'm not recovered because as soon as I think I'm recovered, I'm in big trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to show up for my appointments here to be at honor with my big brother slim i'm not going to be able to be right here because i'm not going to be able to make it i'll be embarrassment and whatever i'm not going to have the beautiful wife that i have at home and my kids i'm not going to have the all the tags and the stuff that i have today you know and the honor of, of being in those positions but you know and just in an instance if i use tomorrow i could be that dark message that even a stranger hears that could be that example to get them on the right path 
and trust me, I don't want to be that. You know what I mean? And 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 my heart goes out to you and your sisters and and your father and everybody that had to go through 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 going that with mom. Um, you know, just like Slim happened to go through with his mother and and the things that happened on on that story, as you know. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's that dark black, even you know mid gray paint on that on that canvas that we have to paint to realize that okay today is bad tomorrow tomorrow might get brighter yes i need some help and there's one word in there that you said the whole time was it's not just once it's not just twice it's many times having the courage to surrender Mm -hmm. surrender for help and look for hope um, the website for Hard Beauty is hardbeautyfoundation.org. Is that correct? Hard Beauty Life. Okay. Hard Beauty dot life, sorry. Um, yeah, and there you can find okay. information about us, information about coaching. So we do life and recovery coaching. We also have counseling and clinical services. Um, we, we plan a variety of sober events throughout the year. Um, we do... Um, you know, of course, our big thing is the one-on-one coaching. And now we have a bunch of awesome male coaches. Um, we have an unbroken program. I have the honor of hosting the women's support group on Monday nights. And there's also a 12-week educational group that Tiffany, our coaching director, created. And it's for women who have survived trauma, inter uh relationship trauma like domestic violence family trauma um, any sexual violence or sexual trauma and it's a safe place where we can go to heal from that and you know with myself being trafficked at the end of 2020 that was a compounded trauma on top of a lot of other trauma of abusive relationships I didn't even know how to begin to peel that back and start to heal that but with this program I got to connect with a real human being who understood what I was going through and you know, had healed from her trauma and kind of held the flashlight for me to find my way out of this dark tunnel. And they still continue to support me. I'm just lucky enough to be able to be in a, a headspace now to to host the support group on Monday nights. And I meet beautiful human, well, women in there. And now we're coming out with a uh, men's unbroken program in April. So we're going to have a whole unbroken thing for the men coming out. Um, and then... Um, of course, we do a variety of other groups. I'm working on getting like a mat harm reduction group out there. Um, it'll be kind of like the mat support group that I have now, um, just with some more education in it. And all of the groups that we have on there are free. Um, you can go to the website to discover your recovery um, spot on there and you find the meeting that you want. You click um the little hop join in uh, button and it'll hop you right into that zoom link and my suggestion to everybody is um, hit the add to calendar button because it'll add it to your calendar with the link it just makes things so much easier but um, each group that we have comes from one of our coaches recovery like the unbroken came out of tiffany's recovery um the mat support group came out of mine parenting and recovery came out of savannah's you know all of these are stemmed from people in their recovery and of course we're we're getting to a point to where we're trying to put our feelers out and see what the community wants what kind of groups do the communities need and we will create those as needed so if we see a need and 
any of the communities in the state of Colorado and they need a specific group, we will figure it out and make that group happen. Um, we're, we're definitely in the works of that right now. I don't want to give anything away quite yet, but there's definitely some groups that the communities have expressed that they needed that we're working on getting out there and we really try to, you know, serve and do what people need and meet them where they're at, whether they're curious about recovery, inactive recovery, or, you know, right in the middle of that, you know, either way, we don't care where you're at on your journey. We just want to come alongside you and support you and let you know that you're a human being that's valuable. Your life means something and we're here to support you in whatever way we can. We're not going to enable you. We're not going to over accommodate you, but we're going to come along and support you and let you know that you're human and that you have other people that care about you. And we're here to do that. Um, and all of us, everybody at Hard Beauty takes great pride in, in what we do and we pour our all into it. You know, we put our all into our coaching practices and that's with every single coach that we have. Every single one of us is very passionate. Um, I am very lucky to work with these group of humans. I, I swear they're the best humans on the planet. And if you get a chance to meet one of us, I promise it will change a couple things in your life it may not change your entire life but i promise you you're going to feel some sort of way when you meet one of us it's just we're a force we're an energy and it just it happens organically and naturally it's not like we're putting on this front and trying to be this certain thing this is just who we are and how this happens and it's very infectious <laughs> I think you answered the question that I want to ask you now, but um, if there's women listening now that are dealing with addiction or, you know, there's a friend or family member that's listening to this and they want to help somebody, at what point does that person dealing with their addiction have to be to be a part of hard beauty? Can they still be using and, and trying to find that pathway to recovery or do they need to be clean? What is, is there, are, what is the rules with hard beauty? Um, you know, we, we don't really have rules as far as who we're going to take and who are not. Basically, our door is open to anybody who needs it, no matter where they are on their journey. If you're in active use and, you know, you're maybe curious about recovery or you just want to learn a little bit more or support. Right. Or you just want support. You Maybe you're not ready to get in recovery yet and you're not ready to open that door. That's okay. You're still a human deserving of support and to have somebody there who cares for you. And so, you know, I have definitely worked with, with people who are still in active use and, you know, it, our door is open to anybody who may need it. Also remember, we're speaking about a lot of online um, services. There are brick and mortars, one in Castle Rock, one that just popped up in, in Colorado Springs, and, and Hard Beauty is working on their first sober living. So it's not just online where you can go, and, and if we have some some good folks out there that are out of town, you can definitely uh, get those services wherever in the United States. But if you are in the Castle Rock, Colorado Springs area, you can go see these people in person. Yep. Yep. Yes, you can. You can come see us in person. Um, and then, like I said, we do a lot of, you know, sober events throughout the summer. They do first Fridays in Castle Rock. You'll find our Sober Not Dead tent there every Friday that they have that. Um, there's a huge reco recovery rally in Denver, and we're at that. And we pop up our Sober Not Dead tent anywhere we can. So even if it's not necessarily a recovery event, we'll still try to be there and be that sober place especially if it's a place or an event where people are drinking or smoking you know we try to get in there and be that one safe sober spot you know um 
So yeah, you can connect with us online. We're very active on Facebook. So feel free to add Hard Beauty on Facebook. Um, We share a lot of our events on there. We share our groups every week on there. Anything new happening with us gets shared on there. Or you can also find it on our website. But sometimes it's just easier for people to look on Facebook. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so either way. Yeah, there's definitely lots of ways to connect with us. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily want coaching to be a part of this community you're welcome to hop in those groups you don't have to be a client or wanting our services to hop in any of our groups and the thing with our groups is you know you can hop in and listen and keep your camera off you don't even have to participate or say your name you know and if that's not your thing and you joined a meeting and you didn't like it it's okay you don't have to come back we're not gonna bug you of course we want people to come back but if we don't you know it's okay too you know it's really just our door is open if we need it if you need it and you know we're not here to judge you or you know place a set of rules on you and kick you out because you're not following this or that of course you know we have guidelines in our groups of being respectful of one another and you know you don't have to have your camera on and this is a space for healing but other than that like we're we're pretty inclusive you know we definitely strive on being all inclusive and keeping our door open for anybody who may need it Priscilla, do you have a recovery day that you can share with us? Yes. Uh, my recovery day is 11-26 of 2020. Congratulations to Thank you. Thank you. 11-26-2020. Um, so the website, once again, is hardbeauty.life. Yep. All right, Mile High, throw that in your phone. Just just type it in real quick. Pull over if you're driving. All right. But put that in your phone, hardbeauty.life, and learn more about them. Priscilla, thank you so much. Scylla. Scylla. There you go. Scylla, thank you so much for coming in and being our guest this morning. We really appreciate you and appreciate you sharing today. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was really awesome to do this. And, you know, if there's anything that you take from my story, just know that, you know, as long as their heart is beating, as long as your heart is beating, there is hope for you to recover. Nobody is too far gone. If I can recover, I promise you anybody else can. Amen to that. Yeah, I love it. Our guest this morning has been Priscilla Wells from Denver. Once again, that website is hardbeauty.life. And that's the cool part too, dot life. All right. Give, give it a search. Check it out. Learn more about it. And if you want to speak to somebody there, please do. Uh, my name is Slim from Sharing Our Stories. My co-host is Tomas Hernandez of Tribe Recovery Homes. You can reach Tribe Recovery Homes at 720-60-TRIBE. That's 720-608-7423. Um, if Tribe Recovery Homes can't find somebody to help you they or can't help you, they will find somebody to help you. Um, and I believe the same thing with Hard Beauty. Like we, we, we deal with organizations that want to help you find your pathway to recovery because there's no one way to do it. If there was one way to do it, we would do this show one time and we would never come back to it. And we would move on, all right? But there's many, many pathways to recovery. Um, check us out on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash SOS, sharing our stories. If you want to hear this program again, um, you can also find it at jammin1015.com or flowdenver.com. You can hear everything that Priscilla had to say if you're just checking in a little bit late with us and you're like, I want to hear it from the beginning. Please feel free to do that and share it with other people. Um, once again, a big thank you to Priscilla. 
Thank you to Tribe Recovery Homes for the work that they do in the city. A thank you to Hard Beauty to the work that they do here in Colorado. And uh, join us again next week as we bring in another guest to share their story of addiction and most importantly, their story of recovery. This has been Sharing Our Stories and you have a wonderful Sunday. Many blessings to you and your family.